Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express, where we are still in Trieste, and some of us are in a bit of a pickle. And so we'd like to, at the top of the show, thank everyone for supporting and listening to the show. We hope that our Orient Express adventures are giving you a ton of listening pleasure. And if they are, we would love your feedback on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the social media sites. And if you are so inclined, there is a patron at patreon.com slash the old ways podcast. We'd love to have you join up and either help or hinder our fellow investigators. For now, though, we'll get to introductions. So to my right. Hi there, this is Mike, and I play James Robert Fraser, who has just seen a face at the window. Indeed, the a strange face, one that he's not necessarily sure he knows for certain. He's pretty sure. And if that person is here, only bad things are going to happen. That said, at the end of the table... Hello, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and Simon doesn't feel so good. You know, shockingly, uh, no. It's like you've got a great big hole inside of you, or maybe two. But we'll figure that out later, too. Two Simons, right? Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie, and I'm also feeling a bit porous today. It's true. You are definitely feeling porous as well. To Miss Bellinger's right. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. Richard only has a few holes. Unfortunately, his trousers fed much, much worse. Indeed, they did. And you might have one of the worst slow walks out of a cave in existence coming. But more on that later. We are today joined by a special guest, one of our Patreon supporters. And so, Patreon supporter, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Nate. And I'm playing special guest, Patreon supporter, Nate. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Thank you for joining us, Nate. We really appreciate it. So I suppose then we should acknowledge that we are in the missing Rena formation. And so Lady Elizabeth will not be in this recording, but fear not. Her Majesty will be back in short order, no doubt. We're going to raise the curtain tonight in a very dark cave. One filled with stalactites and stalagmites. One that was a, at one point a beautiful and picturesque place for visitors. Pictures taken one by, by Miss Bellinger even. Sadly though, Professor, it has been ruined for you. You stand there in the cave, the sort of after effects of the gunshots still ringing out. And you see your two compatriots there lying on the rocks, bleeding. But what grips you even more than that is this texture 
underneath your fingernails. This gritty, dirty blood that is welled up underneath your fingernails from the rock that you held when you bashed that man's head in. And you get this stark realization. This has all been some grand adventure. This has all been some amazing quest that Dr. Smith has put you on. And it's put you in the line of fire and it's taken you to in innumerable different places that you never thought you'd ever go. But the reality is you're going to have to come to terms at some point you realize with the fact that you're a murderer and you bash someone's head in. And so I can think of no better way to start tonight than asking you for a sanity roll. Perfect. It is a zero six. Very good. Or is it? Professor, you lose only one point of sanity. You somehow rationalize the idea that it was you or him. And you'd seen two of your compatriots gunned down here in this grotto. And there was no other way. No other way. But to end it all. And now that the silence has arrived, as a cloak around your shoulders, you have two bodies in front of you. Three if you count the dead man. You're not certain if your compatriots are alive or dead. But they're bleeding. And they may not make the morning with those wounds. What do you do? So I think Richard will definitely rationalize uh, killing this man as a kind of a mathematical thing, really. I mean, three could have died or one could have died. So he's actually done the right thing there. He's, he saved oh a net total of two people, hopefully. Um so Richard is going to attempt some first aid. So he's going to see uh, see if he can work out how they've been wounded, um, you know, where the, where the shots are, and uh, he's going to grab any clean piece of material he can, um, possibly Simon's shirt, maybe? Possibly Richard's shirt, and if push comes to shove, maybe a, a trouser leg. Not the trousers. The trousers. Always faded. Very well. Go ahead. First aid. Oh, I should ask, sir. Which one of them first? I should... Um, I don't know. I've already rolled, so I'm going to roll a d6. And if I roll a 1 to 3, um, it's going to be Maggie. And 4 to 6, it's Simon. Oh, dear. Um, so that's Maggie. All right. And... I rolled a 61 over 30. Have you? Okay. You perform first aid. Uh, I don't have enough luck. Well, the worst part is, is that, honestly, you don't know that you failed. You've got no real idea that you didn't do what you should have done. You did what they taught you at uni. You've tried to stem the, the flow of the blood. You've 
tourniqueted this enormous hole that she has in her chest, just below the chest. It's probably just below the sternum. And you think you've done the right thing. There is an awful lot of blood here, though. So, which is now going to move on to Simon? Sure. Oh, dear. So, I thought a fail was going to be pretty bad, um, but I've just rolled a 99 over 30. <laughs> Don't have... Yeah, I've only got 21 luck. Hmm. Yeah. That's tough. So, uh, systematically, uh, I suppose a couple of things. Um, so Simon has already invoked his use of the pulp rules, which means he survives this scene. But I will say this. You haven't made anything better for him. And so during his recovery roll that he'll make, he'll gain half of the bonus that he normally would have because of your failure. Congratulations, Professor. You found a way to fail. Brilliant. So you think you have both of them. I mean, Simon looks like he should be. Uh, I mean, this is what you've seen Paul do this. You've seen um, you studied some books at, at the university and this is what it looks like. Yeah, you've done right. Now, neither of them are moving. Uh, so Richard's going to look for some water. I don't know if if we've passed any. Oh, I don't know. Dripping. There yeah. must be some. There must be some drips. There are stalactites and stalagmites after mm, all. Absolutely. There's water here for sure. So he's going to try and gather some somehow, whether or possibly worst case scenario in a shoe and, and bring it over and sort of splash it around them and try and revive them. Yes, you uh, you do have to resort to your shoe. You sprinkle shoe water on their faces. It's um, you've had a quite a active day, too, so you can only imagine. Luckily, they're not conscious to taste it, but um, but yes, it, it does sort of clean the blood off their faces. Are you trying to rouse them with the water? Yeah. Yeah, ni- neither one of them wake. No. You're starting um, to feel a, a bit of a panic in your chest. So Richard is going to make sure that the third man is definitely dead, because the last thing he wants to do is to go and find help and for them to go and, I don't know, deliver a coup de grace. Getting your eyes back over on the third man is unpleasant at best. Uh, the side of his skull is cracked open and he sort of flopped like a fish on the pathway here. And so the the parts, sort of the soft tissue underneath the skull cap is leaked out. Um, He doesn't appear to be moving at all. So if, if he has the wherewithal to do this and, and he probably does because he's quite a logical man. He's just going to quickly go through the guy's pockets. I mean, literally 10 seconds, what's in the pockets. Because we need to know who these people are. They've just tried to kill us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I'd say inside jacket pocket, you find um, a lighter, sort of a, a, a windproof mm-hmm. lighter. You find a pack of Turkish cigarettes. You find inside the outer jacket pocket, you find two things. You find a key doesn't really say what it's for but you also find a picture and when you with that still bloodied hand take hold of this picture you see a representation of yourself from your staff picture at the university this came from King's College that's concerning 
Uh, Richard's mm. just going to take this lot, stuff it in his pocket, and um, is there an obvious way out somewhere that he could? Certainly, certainly. Like as you stare up, sort of where this man at one point pointed to this entrance at the top of the grotto where his supposed assistants were waiting, you can see the the sort of afternoon dying light there. It's got to be a walk up is probably twenty to thirty meters around this sort of slow grade. You remember walking down here. It's it's uh, there's steps and whatnot. This the struggle that you're finding is. Yes, there's an exit, but how do you how do you get your people out? I think Richard's going to try and put them in a good position um, so they don't choke. Make sure they're warm, so, uh, you know, jackets over the top, all that kind of good stuff. He may even take his own jacket off and probably put it over Maggie. Okay. Yeah, I think he's going to try and hastily climb these uh, this, this slope. Okay, you climb. One step after another, continuing to put distance between you and your two compatriots and the third man who will not be coming home. And you finally get out of the grotto. Now, this tourist area, which is sort of what it is around here, this tourist attraction that the the, the grotto is, isn't staffed per se, at least not in the evening. You were on the last tour. When you return up here, there's no one here. There's no sign of anyone else. There's maybe about 50 yards, maybe from there. There's, looks like a farmhouse. He's going to have to, yeah, he's going to have to go for this, this farmhouse then. Okay. And he's going to be, I mean, he's fairly paranoid. He's, he's had to be, um, he's going to try and keep a lookout. So maybe if this guy does have companions around, he wants to be able to find or spot them before, uh, before they spot him. Okay, so go ahead and give me a spot hidden roll then. Yeah, and let's it, use the the other dice now. <laughs> Ooh, Fifty-five under seventy-one. Okay, so from what you can see, there are people about, but they're down in the streets, further towards the city. You don't see anybody skulking in the hedges outside the farmhouse or, or in the tree line. The one thing you do notice is you're, you're covered in blood. That that will be undeniable. Anyone you meet will know that something terrible has happened to you or that you were around something terrible. Which it has been shot, so that, yeah, he's going to use that to explain it. <laughs> As one does. Okay, you creep closer to the farmhouse. It's it's an Italian farmhouse, so it's a little bit different than the ones that you used to in England, but some of the same truisms exist here. Uh, there's likely a dog, as there tend to be at farmhouses. Back behind the house, up on the hill that the grotto sits under, there are some rolling wheat here that looks like it probably will come up in a couple of months. It's a it's only late March here, so there's not a ton growing yet, but that's likely what would be here. And there's Probably a single light on near one of the side doors. And uh, the dog is sees you walking over and starts barking and doesn't seem to be aggressive, just seems to walk up to you. And then it sort of starts nosing around at you. Uh, Richard will just keep on walking towards the farmhouse. 
He's, he's adopting a very brisk pace. He wants to get there quickly. He knows his companions are hurt. Okay. Yeah, you get to the farmhouse in the late, early evening, late afternoon. You get to the door. We'll move camera, though. Mr. Fraser, the time that you and Lady Elizabeth spend outside the hotel just doing some research eventually comes to an end. It comes to an end because there's really only so much here. The names and the positions are the same, but you can tell the her ladyship's pretty tired. Um, well, in that case, I will suggest that we uh, adjourn for the time being back to the hotel um, and uh, perhaps uh, have a have an afternoon tea. Uh, what what sort of time of day is it just now? Just now for you, uh, probably by the time you get back to the hotel and sort it, it's probably four, maybe half perfect. four. Absolutely perfect. A cup of tea and uh, perhaps a, uh, a slice of cake. Mm. Yes, the hotel is more than happy to afford you a proper tea and uh, two or three selection of choices for cakes. So they do they do a decent job. So I think um, we'll just sit and uh, relax and, and enjoy that. Perhaps discuss what the day brought earlier on and what it potentially means and what, if anything, we might be able to do about that. But as I can see, her ladyship's getting tired. I'll suggest perhaps uh, she has an afternoon nap and uh, I'll do a little reading. Okay. What, uh, what would Mr. Fraser entertain himself with as far as reading? Well, I think um, possibly read through the the guidebook that uh, that we've got, the Traveler's Guide, just get a little bit of an idea about the other places that we're, we're going to visit, just kind of refresh his memory a little bit on that. Also, if there are any tourist brochures or anything of that kind in, in the hotel, just to have a look at those, see see what else, what other points of interest there are in the uh, in the city. Uh, Familiarise himself very clearly with the the layout of the city using the uh, the maps that he's got just now so that if you know if if they do have occasion to head anywhere and they don't have a, a map with them then he'll at least have a rough idea of where they are and how to get back to the hotel that kind of thing yeah it, it would prove invaluable you know having been to several of these cities along the route already that having a, a handle on sort of where landmarks are is going to be critical because the signs here are going to be in Italian if there are signs at all. Absolutely. Uh, asking people for help is likely to get only a retort in Italian. And that's something that uh, you might not be able to hear over the Bora wind as it sort of blows through. Indeed, yeah. Um, also, it strikes me that if it is quite windy and cold here, it might be worth purchasing some heavy jackets or something like that to, to keep us warm if we haven't already got those with us. So that's on his kind of to-do list mm. as well. Okay. I think that's probably going to, you know, take a, up a, a fair portion of the uh, the afternoon for him. Um, but there are some some points that, um, based on the uh, the research that they did earlier on uh, at the library, he, he might want to look into a little bit further because they found out a little bit about this, uh, this Winkleman fellow as mm. well, and uh, and the hotel and that kind of thing, but uh, maybe maybe uh, just sort of take some notes on on that, scribble down some thoughts and observations and ideas for what it could possibly mean. Where 
where this 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 piece that they're looking for could be and also i think you probably take the opportunity to read read through the the, the paperwork that they've got anyway or they've, they've amassed to this point because mm. there are of course the scrolls that they're looking for as well yeah. which they don't seem to be finding anything uh, or certainly haven't of late anyway and he's a little bit concerned that they might have missed something in their travels yeah that could prove problematic in the future yeah it's uh, certainly a good idea on the more um, local note the uh, cathedral uh, san gusto giusto depending on how you pronounce it i suppose probably mangle both but that's fine <laughs> there is a uh, a a rather stunning Christian basilica here. It's a Byzantine Byzantine church with a dome that you put sort of on your mental checklist, given everything that happened in Milan and, well, then Venice, as far as churches go. Hmm. You're wondering if there's a pattern here that develops about putting things in things like this in churches or near holy sites as maybe a way to shield them from view or from prying eyes or maybe just because the buildings are big and they're made of a bunch of stone and that that actually brings to mind um if he draws that kind of conclusion that this the the, the leg piece in venice it was there for a long time it didn't seem to be doing any harm or causing any problems for the city um, except when it was first brought to the city but then it was hidden underneath the church for a long time. And during that time, this plague wasn't affecting the city at the time. But as soon as it came out, or shortly after it came out, this seems to be a recurrence of, of these these um, um, these symptoms in, in people. Mm. So yeah, I think I think there you know there is a possibility that um, there there's some sort of shielding performed around the these pieces if you know i mean he kind of he's, he's scratching his head to try and think of what that means because it really kind of runs contrary to uh everything he believes in terms of magic and that sort of stuff sure however he does you know he he does believe that there is power in faith and there is possibly there there is sanctuary is not quite the right word yeah, maybe that the, there is something in something about these things that is held back. Maybe some power to these things, which is held back if they're in a holy place. It's possible. So, so I think he'll mark off all the different potential places like that that it could be located, or at some point have been located, and might be worth might be worth investigating. Perhaps when Simon comes back, the two of them can go off on a little tour of the city and, and explore it. Yeah, it's been a little while since you've seen them. Lady Elizabeth, after tea and, you know, her very reasonable slice of cake, tells you that she's going to retire for the rest of the evening. All of the hubbub, all of the energy expending that she did uh, earlier today with Winkleman and has uh, done done her in for the day, she thinks. I'll make arrangements to uh, get a light supper sent up to her at uh, a later point in the evening. If she's uh, if she's up to eating, she can eat in her room. Mm. Make me a hard spot hidden roll. 
All right, oh, let's see. Right, so a hard spot hidden, so yeah. That is a. Ooh, I don't think. No, that is a 46. That is not quite a hard spot hidden. It's okay. just slightly off. All right. You can let the sleeping dog lie if you would like, or you can poke it with, you know, luck or. Well, um, let me just see. That's going to cost. What's that? Oh, 46. That's going to cost three points of luck. Uh, do you know what? I think I'll spend three points of luck to make that a hard success because I've got a I've got a spot hidden of 86. So. Yeah. Uh, so after Lady Elizabeth retires for the evening, you're reading through some of the, the clues and information that you've gathered and you sort of go back for a moment to cross-reference something in the Traveler's Guide and you realize something now that it's on to say about six. That the grotto tours close before sunset. And given that it's March, you sort of wonder just for a moment where the rest of the group is. Do I know how long it takes to get to the grotto from uh, from where we are? Yeah, it's about three miles on foot uh, or cab, depending upon how you wanted to get there. Right, three miles. So if they were to walk there, I wouldn't imagine they would be walking in this kind of weather. Um, mm. That would probably take them about an hour or so. Mm, cab, maybe 20 minutes. Maybe they stopped at a a cafe or a restaurant or something like that for something to eat. Hmm. He'll kind of, he'll, he'll, he'll mark that, I think. I think, well, okay, I'll maybe, maybe give them another, an, another half an hour or so um, just to see before he starts getting unnecessarily worried. Sure. Very well. In fact, I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think, what, what, um, what time is sunset? It's probably getting close to it now. I would imagine March is probably a six thirty-ish, six or six thirty-ish. And what time? What time did they leave to go to the grotto? Oh, it would have been probably one or two o'clock. Mm, that's quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. I think he'll. Yeah, I think. I think bearing in mind the length of time, he'll actually probably go go up to um, the reception at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Sure, and uh, ask if they have. Um, uh, any details about this grotto, about what time the, the tours are and how long the tours last and that kind of thing? What time yeah. the last tour is? The person at the desk tells you that full tours take about an hour or so, uh, depending upon what time the tour started. And that the last one usually begins about 3 p.m. 3 p.m.? Hmm. Yeah. Uh. Usually recovers well before. It's because of when it's still winter hours for them. Hmm. Do, do they have a telephone at the uh, uh, the ticket office there or something? No, sir. Um, the tickets no. are taken by locals who do the tours, and so it's not well. It's not as official as this establishment. I see. I see. So if they're in, somebody took the last tour at three o'clock. They'd be finished by four, about four o'clock. Yes. Mm. Uh, or perhaps right. a little afterwards if some of the carts had problems, but not too much longer. Yes, well, um, I wonder, um, could you possibly call me a taxi cab? Right away, sir. Thank you. Martin, you knock on the door. From inside, you probably hear a little bit of rustling, but I think 
I'll let Nate describe that. So for you, Nate, you have been, as ever, working away inside this farmhouse. You've been diligently studying and sort of preparing for the next step, whatever the next step may be for you in your um, illustrious career. One thing is certain, and that is your ability to leverage what you need to sort of get back into where you want to be in society is going to take careful, careful effort. And just as you sort of set your drink down from dinner, there's a knock at the door, which is highly irregular. People don't normally come out here in the evening hours because the grotto that's not too far away has closed. You sometimes get people who knock on the door during the day because they need to use the bathroom or they want to know if you have things to sell, which, of course, you you know have made a little bit of money picking your way through the the uh, deep grotto occasionally and pulling out stones that might be useful, all sorts of different things. But um, but yes, there's a knock at your farmhouse. I think I also heard FEMA barking a little bit a few minutes ago. As I'm cautious in my rental, I would probably take a little peek around the window and see uh, if I see who is knocking. Yeah, I mean, you have a favorite sort of window that you look out of. You sort of draw the curtain back just slightly and you see that there's a there's a man. He's by your side door there and he's sort of bathed in this light that comes from up above it. And uh, he seems to be hunched over just a little. And you can tell the, the dog is very excited to see him. I see his injuries at all. Yeah, why don't you give me a spot hidden roll? See if you can um, deduce whether or not he's injured. 21. Yeah, certainly. I mean, he's clutching his his chest or his stomach, is it? He's he's definitely holding himself together. Uh, but moreover than that, you see that there's blood on him. Perhaps he's been in some sort of accident. Close the book that I was looking through, and I'm going to set that aside, uh, hide it first, and then rush over to the door. I'm not going to open the door. I'm going to yell through the door. What, what, what is wrong? Who are you? Um, um, you need to help me. Um, uh, uh, there's, there's been an accident in the caves. Um, uh, I, I'm hurt, and um, two of my colleagues are, uh, are down. They're, they're they're unconscious, and I, I can't, I can't seem to get them uh, to, to, to come around. Uh, is there a doctor? Can you can you can you fetch a doctor? Eden, I can fetch doctor. Um, what 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 kind of accident has happened here? Um, they were uh, attacked uh, by a a man with a gun. Uh, good. Um, they're all psychology. See if I'm trusting the stranger at my door. Yeah, absolutely. Thirty-eight. So. He seems fairly earnest about what's happened. You can tell there's definite panic in his voice. Yeah, you'd be able to deduce that. He doesn't appear any way to be directly hiding anything. I'll open the door quickly. Uh, reach out. Come, come, come inside and pull 
him inside and looking to close the door quickly behind while looking out a little bit uh, paranoid. That's fair. Thank you. Um, uh, the, the doctor, I, can you call a doctor? Close the door. I'm, I'm doctor. Uh, ah. You, you are hurt. Sit, sit, sit. Yes, but my, my friends are, are unconscious. You, 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 sir, are, are looking terrible also. Um, and I'm going to poke at the wounds and try and see what's, what's going on here. Gently, gently. Yeah, and why don't you, for the, um, the listeners at home and abroad, tell us sort of what, um, what you'd be wearing, roughly speaking. Anton is a visitor to Triest in the area, and uh, he was doing a little bit of gardening earlier, so he's still in this gardening wear. And he's wearing sort of, um, I wouldn't call it a church robe, but this rough linen, sort of homespun, almost a tunic, and rough trousers. Uh, his trousers have no holes in them, just in case you're, you're wondering about that, Martin. Um, and he wears a, a large, and he's he was inside doing research, he wears a large floppy-brimmed hat. He was wearing it even inside. And I think Richard gets closer. He might see pretty extensive scarring across the right side of the face. The floppy hat sort of covers that. Hands are inky, like covered in, in literal ink, and, and the fingernails are dirty from, from the gardening. But... Um, other than that, a uh, sparse beard that looks not, it's not cared for. It's just, I haven't, I haven't had time or really thought of shaving recently. I've been engaged in other activities. Um, okay. Um, uh, quick, you, you, you have to help my friends. Yes, yes, but, uh, you, you, you make sure that, uh, you do not lose one while trying to help the other. It's 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 well known. Oh, oh yes. Um, are you are you are you okay? You are covered in blood. I think so. I mean, I've shot a little bit, but um, I'm. It's been I, shot I'll, a little bit. I, I'll survive for a couple of hours at least. Um, but um, my my. You doctor too, then you 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 self-diagnose. You don't need me then if you know you will survive. You've been shot a little. How does one? You don't get shot a little bit. I well I. I mean, I'm still conscious. Uh, I, I, I think that's a good sign, but um, you have to help my friends. Um, I, I mean, I think they're breathing. They're, they're bleeding an awful lot. Uh, there was blood everywhere. Lots of blood. Tourists. All right, all right, all right. Um, in the grotto. Is... Uh, yes, yes. Just just, just at the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the base of the slope. You, you want me to go alone, leave you in my home? I can come with you, that's fine. Can you? You look... Well, you know what? Well, uh, I was not doing anything anyway. Let uh, let us do this. Come, come. I'll bring my dog. Yes, do, do, um, do you have a bag? A, a doctor's bag? You, you said you were a doctor. Uh, I'll go. I'll leave uh, Richard in the in the kitchen. I think he came in the back door, or the front door. It's which... technically the side door, but, but it, would, it, would, door. it would enter to the kitchen. Okay, so leave him in the kitchen. Uh, huge cauldron bubbling, and it's, it's one giant room, and uh, herbs and, and bags and things hanging from the ceilings. I just leave him alone there, um, and you can hear dump 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 upstairs. 
um, rustling, uh, rustling around. A door opens, closes, bump, 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 bump down the stairs as well. And enter. I've got now an overcoat on, uh, and I've got a bag with me. So, Anton, you'd probably... He said friends, so you would be thinking about multiple people. And you suddenly get the idea that you've got a wheelbarrow out back for the garden. Might be useful. You say unconscious. All your friends sleep. Yes, sleeping. Yes, they're not um, not, not awake. I, I hope you can wake them. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. At least we can transport them. Come, come, uh, yes. come. I'll lead uh, Richard. I'll just stride off. I assume Richard's following. Uh, to the back. He will, yep. Find the wheelbarrow. I'm going to put in a couple, a, a shovel and a pick as well, some tools, uh, some rope. Um, just things from looking around this rented farmhouse, any other objects that might be uh, of use. And, and come wheeling out with this wheelbarrow. You you show me. I, I'll FEMA! FEMA! Come, dog! Come! Let's go. And the dog hustles after the two of you. Getting back to the grotto is not hard. Uh, It is now slightly darker. You're really starting to feel sort of sick to your stomach, Richard. You don't know if it's the blood loss or what, but you are really hoping this can be quick. You get both, both of you get back down into the grotto and Anton, you come upon, in short order, sort of down these stairways. Uh, it's it's something that sort of is built into, right? It's not one contiguous stair at this point. It's a few stairs and then more rocks and a few stairs as it sort of goes down into the, the portion where he leads you to. Uh, and you come upon a pretty grisly scene. You come upon a man who look like who looks like he's had his head bashed in. And there are two other bodies not far. Uh, A man, a large man, and a woman. And they are bleeding, you think. You think. The light down here is fairly terrible at this point because, well, uh, with no staff here to do any sort of tourism, um, the light you have is basically your, your torch, your electric torch, to try to search through this place. Because, of course, the generator up top is off now. Um, here they are. Looking, I'm looking at Martin. I'm looking at the bastion corpse in the ground, sort of back and forth. I've been muttering to myself, Anton, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I'm wheeling a wheelbarrow downstairs alone. Why do you do this? And turn around and see. This, this is who attacked you. Um, yes, yes. Um, him, uh, my... You did this? Um, I... He fell and hit his head, I think. Um, I'm one of these... This is lie. I am doctor. This is lie. He didn't... Um, geez, I, I still, I these know. friends, and I'm going to run over and I'm going to uh, kneel down uh, next to the woman first, as I am uh, a gentleman, and see if she's alive. Richard, you notice, too, that um, this man, Anton, doesn't seem to have any sort of shock or or deep reaction in horror to what's happened, right? So you likely ascertain very quickly that he's probably seen some things in life. So it would just be first aid for you? It's a 12, goodness. Mm, Fantastic. You assist 
this woman in recovering some of her hit points. You do so in rather quick fashion because whomever attempted to do first aid on her may have simply just not known what they were doing. The wounds were not bound properly. She's continued to bleed on herself. She has a very nasty gunshot wound sort of right below her sternum. And that is very concerning. And so when you sort of move her, you you move her over a little bit, you can feel that there's blood on her back. Like she was shot through and through. And in the rock there, you feel the metallic remains of a, a pistol round. Richard, this this one's very lucky. The bullet went through. Yes, he he shot her. Whoever whoever tended her wounds is idiot. But uh, they left they left bandages and such, so that was helpful. Uh, yes, yes. Um, and how about, um, what, what what about the other one? Um, Simon come, is. Come, put pressure here and here. Put hands. Okay. Push down harder than it feels like you should, but push push okay, down hard. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, I I should push hard. Yes. Tell me if she stopped breathing. She will I probably stop certainly. breathing. So tell me if this happens. Right. And over towards the larger man. This also friend of yours, Richard. You you hard on friends, uh, I see. Uh, yes, 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 yes. He's he's not in a good way. Nothing about this is in a good way. We have we have talk after if 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 any friends remain. Well, uh, I, I hope so. And I'm gonna check out this uh, larger man. Sure, sure. Um, so, um, Richard, you sort of get left there with your hands all all over Maggie just for the moment to sort of keep the blood in her as much as she might have left as uh, Anton moves to begin his work on Simon. Assess that situation. What do I what do I find here? Oh, well. Um, he's got a pretty bad lead wound. It looks like he may have taken a, a bit of a fall at some point. And that'll have to be set. But the biggest concern is some sort of lead poisoning, likely by a revolver or something similar. I mean, you've dealt with people who've been shot before, and he's a pretty big guy. So it sort of only does him in a little bit, needing all that more blood to move his body around. And so the blood loss here is a, is a deep concern. It's going to take quite... The first aid role to get him back and operational again. Richard, Richard, your the, the, your woman friend. She took one of the bullets, but this poor bastard took all of the rest, all of the rest. And yes, he he was very brave. Um, he tried to fight this ruffian off, but um, he shot him several times. We'll write that on the tombstone. It'll be very very heartwarming when you come visit. I, I hope it doesn't come to that. Oh, look at look at this. This pod this this is the grotto is wet, but this red, this is all of him leaking out. It is not good. So there's first aid. I wonder if Anton has any other possibilities for healing as well as I'm looking at the extreme state of this book. He, he does. He does. Uh, he has something which I'll I'll send you a message on uh, in just a moment or two. Mm-hmm. He's a person of process though, and so he would want to stabilize the patient before he attempted. Plus the extra work that he could do based on his knowledge would be something that he would want to have them in a proper place to do. 
Richard, we will do. Uh, we will start with fundamentals here um, and see uh, what we can do. Um, do not be alarmed at the noises that will come. Noises? Not a ninety-nine again, is it? Don't you worry. Well, he invokes the Lord's name, so we know he's not rich. So I took a picture of my ninety-nine that I just rolled. Sorry, What's your, uh, what is? <laughs> boy, that's that's tough. What's Anton's skill rating again? Actually, his first aid is seventy. And so you, it's you're you're okay you're okay you're you're not you're not fumbling there with a seventy in your skill. He could push his he could push his roll if you wanted to. Nothing ever terrible happened on, on a failed push roll. Richard, this this man is almost already dead anyway. So what is the worst that can happen? Um, I know. This this femur splinter is really getting in the way, but uh, I'm going to. And he goes and he grabs a rock from the grotto and he wedges it underneath on the left side and he's getting some leverage as he's trying to. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you all. <laughs> it's not even roll 20. It's a, it's, it's a zero, zero, and then on the other die, it's a zero. Ooh, it's a hundred. Ooh. Uh, okay. So you are, you are now absolutely certain that you have to get him back to the farmhouse. Mundane means will not heal this man. You are going to have to use something more. It is bad news. Uh, whoever worked on him first uh, really messed him up. And um, uh, yes, we're going to have. It's, it's at this point, Maggie, that you begin to come around and you sort of come back to this swirl of consciousness in mostly a, a dark place there's a, a slight bit of light you feel like someone has their hands on you and you realize someone does have their hands on you and it's Richard oh Richard finally Richard she's awake ah you're awake um are you uh how are you feeling is Maggie aware enough to be able to answer that question even if she's just kind of coming to probably don't feel well but I don't know that you have the mental facilities like as you immediately wake to truly answer his question you're probably just sort of at one at this stage you're sort of still waking back up Richard what what happened a minute is this a dream am I still alive uh yes yes you are I'm afraid you've been slightly shot slightly shot that doesn't make any sense Richard you're either shot or you're not shot well, yes, yes. The uh, one of those Turkish gentlemen with the hats—they they shot you. And and Simon's in a pretty bad way. Is Simon going to live? I I hope so. There's a a, a doctor. Um. Oh, is it Paul? Did Paul come? Uh, no, no. I I find this one in a farmhouse. He's um. Oh, he seems to have worked his magic on you, which is good. Richard, keep pressure and uh, bring me rope. Yes, yes. And do not okay. upset. Do not upset. Um, uh, which is more important, the pressure or the rope? They're both important. Uh, okay. Uh, Richard will try and grab a, some sort of rope and sort of keep one hand on Maggie and sort of pivot around. Yeah, the getting him the rope is one thing. Kind of keeping a hand on Maggie is another. But you manage to figure out a way to do both. Uh, here we are. There's there's your rope. How is he? We we will 
we'll we'll find out when we get them back. We have to get all of this back. Do you want to scoop up that one? And it's pointing at the uh, busted head one, or just just your friends? Uh, we 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 need to get back to the farmhouse. Yes, yes. I I, I don't think we can carry a third one. Is trying to leverage and heave poor poor Simon into the wheelbarrow. Yeah. So about that, Simon is a rather large individual, um, but given Anton's strength, I'll say that he's able to. He has a decent strength and size, so I'll say you're able to sort of muscle him in. It's probably not the first uh, patient you've had to sort of scoop and put into uh, a wheelbarrow of sorts, given your... I'll use the standard village treatment of the wheelbarrow on the edge and then roll the patient in and then... It's like, it's Richard, it's like he's old hat at this. Uh, Do you need a hand? You need to get a woman. Gonna wheel. Oh, right. oh, you wake. Hello, good. Hello, I'm I'm Anton, and and you almost die. So let's uh, do not get disturbed. We need to go back. Oh, hello, Anton. He was the doctor I was telling you about. Um, we we, we have to climb up to the top of this grotto. I'm afraid. If I if if you put your arm around my shoulder, do you think you can walk? Well, I certainly can try. Right, Richard will try and sort of hoist Maggie up on. On a shoulder. Oh, yeah, that really hurts, Maggie, but... I'm going to go to this. Richard, and sort of whispering in your... Richard, can you carry her? Because she's very bad. I... I, oh, Hang on, Maggie. Let me see if I can pick you up and put you on my, on my back. Uh, you will have to hold on. So, Richard, I'd like you to make me a strength test. Poor old Richard has a strength of 40. The Hand of Fate is going to give you advantage on this roll. Zero, one. Oh, fantastic. Yes. So for rolling a critical success, I am going to give you immediately five points of luck. Yay. <laughs> and um, you find an inner strength you didn't believe you had, Professor. And when you sort of prepare to carry Maggie out on your back, you realize something, and that is that now is the time for you to be the man that Maggie needs. And so you don't carry her out on your back. You sort of hoist her up close to your chest and you gather the strength to walk up the stairs and out of the grotto, completely leaving your new friend Anton behind to deal with Simon. (laughs) Poor Simon. It is a moment of masculinity that no one sees. (laughs) (laughs) and no one will ever believe except Maggie who is um, who sees you know her her savior Richard finally save her (laughs) in short order the four of you get back to the farmhouse Uh, for you Anton getting him out with the wheelbarrow is much easier but you are very concerned about sort of getting him into the space and the farmhouse table and then you you already, as you're moving him forward, you're beginning to think about sort of the pulse, pulses and the herbs and the things that you'll need to gather to do this working. It may be the only thing that saves his life. And then, in, again, in, you return to the farmhouse. Uh, Richard, you find a place for Maggie to lay down. It's uh, It's in the living room here. It's the closest place, really, beyond the kitchen. 
and so she can sit and and rest. And for you, Maggie, as you're sort of under, you're sort of laying back here on this, reclining of sorts on this couch, you sort of see here that there are certain things that sort of suspend from the ceiling. Anton, what do you think you would have suspending from the ceiling here in your in your living room? I think in the living room, the first thing Maggie will notice, I think, is all the furniture is uh, pushed back. Okay. There's nothing in the, in the wide open. There's a wide open space, almost like a dance floor, possibly. And the living room itself has a pile of books. There's no bookshelf, but there's a pile of books stacked up against one wall. Mm. And there is a, against sort of the wall that faces towards the east, there is a, not a tapestry really, but a, but some sort of artistic thing. And it looks very rough and very, I know I'm so distracted, I'm sorry. It looks very rough, very handmade almost craft level uh, twigs, branches, twine in a few geometric shapes and they cover this east wall in a certain sort of to Anton maybe a, a, a symbolism or a meaning. And then there's an enormous amount of just uh, herbal and uh, plant and natural sort of flowers and, and, and things drying in bundles in little tiny mesh bags and little tiny nets, uh, a couple leather satchels as well, and the room itself has a deep aromatic of sage and, and of flowers and things like that. Hmm. It doesn't look like a room that anyone actually spends time in. It looks like a secondary storage workshop. Yeah, The geometric shapes there, Richard, are fascinating, although a little strange. You're not really sure what to make of them. But he comes in next with Simon, and um, it probably would be helpful, Anton, if you had Richard's help to hoist him onto the the table in the kitchen. Richard, do you have uh, skills? Any? Um, Yes, I'm rather good at mathematics. All right, well, then you grab uh, the bottom, and uh, I'll grab the the top. Right, okay. On three, and and we'll hoist him up onto the uh, farmhouse table. You hoist him on up to the farmhouse table, and you can tell that his pulse is pretty low. Just from the color in his cheeks and sort of getting your hands back on the patient, he looks like he's in a pretty dire situation. This man's lost too much blood, and then the bullets also, and so we'll start cutting out the... uh where the uh, injuries are cut, cutting off and getting rid of the clothing and, and giving... Uh, uh, Richard, uh, take this rag, uh, clean uh, the blood off. Just not sterile. Just I need to be able to see. Right. Okay. And then I'll start collecting the things. And Richard will start mopping blood away from the wound, but not uh, not going too close. Walk over. I'm, I put a couple uh, fire irons directly into the fire uh, to get things ready. Um, I'm leaning over the uh, the farmhouse sink. Grabbing some poultices and getting them a little wet and, and moist, and getting all these things prepared, and rolling through. And, and I think you can hear me. I'm talking to myself in Russian now, just rapidly, and just as I'm trying to remember. And, and Richard, this is uh, this complicated work. Uh, I'm pulling a book from under. Now oh, this isn't it. I gotta 
I'm running off to get a book from the living room and coming back and just a scurrying of activity. Um, will, will you be okay? Uh, it is it is unlikely, but I'll do I'll do what I can. Oh, look at him! He's he's barely breathing. Um, and no blood in him. No blood in him. We, do you have a place for blood? Uh, maybe you have. Do you have blood? I I I think so. Yes, yes, I have blood. Richard, not your blood. You need that. Do you? Never. Uh, and then more swearing and rushing. I'm obviously getting ready for some sort of uh, ritual healing. I think that's probably a little less obvious to someone like Richard. In your mind, Richard, he is... Anton is moving about the space, setting things up. And you see that he's beginning to sort of cover Simon's wounds with this green gray paste too it seems very sticky he used it's almost like this horsehair brush to to paint it on and then in this painting he starts with his with his fingers probably these same dirty guarding ink covered fingers he's beginning to sort of rub symbols into his head and you know anton that this spell really only works on people who are at peace with the mother, at peace with nature. And the trouble will be, and this is the the inner fear that you have, is if this man, if this person is mean, has been mean to animals, the mother may choose not to heal him. And so you're hoping against hope that he's a good person. Richard, this friend of yours, is he a good person? Um, yes, I mean, he's... Uh, he's uh, certainly looked out for me before. I mean, I, I haven't known him that long. Then Richard sort of starts to realise that he knows very little about Simon. Something of meaning, something that... Uh, how are you attached um, atta- from, uh, you know, court, from you to him in, 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 in the heart? How are you attached? Um, well, we, uh, we've been on various travels together and um, he's... I mean, he certainly got me out of a few scrapes. There was a, a time with some policemen in my flat, and there was a dead body there, and yes, there's been quite a lot of dead bodies. And um, yes, yes, he said, yeah, I, I think he's a good person. Richard, this is not enough. Richard, he's not a uh, schoolyard chum on, 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 on fun trip and, and for class. Uh, what connects heart to heart with him? We This is important for this to work. Well, I mean, he's he's looked out for me. Um, there were... Uh, lots of lots of times um where he's just sort of been there um, he's uh, managed to uh, stop people from hurting me and yes yes he's a he's a good man we'll see if this is enough uh come 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 dip finger in here and uh, is, is this some sort of antiseptic uh, yes, oh, absolutely. Right, right, right. Of yes. course it is. Yes, we must, must be It's clean. like hairy and, and sort of semi-coagulated. And I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to use it to do a couple runes myself. In the other room, Maggie, you sort of feel this emptiness directly beneath your sternum. And there's there's a... There's some sort of gauze or something in the way of it, but there's something inside sort of there's a vacuum there and you can feel that vacuum can I 
I'm assuming my arms are mobile still. Yeah, your arms are mobile. They haven't tied you down. They haven't uh, strapped you to a chair or something like that. You have you have a single hit point, so you have autonomy if you absolutely had to. Yeah, well, I kind of want to feel around there to see what's going on. Like in inside the hole? No, I would probably first kind of run my hands around the outside, but then wanting to feel more what that void is. If I can bear it and stay conscious, I would likely probe further. It's a sort of fascinating amount of pain. And it, it isn't something on a high registry because a lot of the nerve endings there are just shot after all of the damage done. But pain is intriguing. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Like it's an interesting pain. It's an interesting series of sensations and Mm -hmm. sort of each additional exploration that you make, you get different feelings, different cycles of pain and they do different things on your brain. And each one is something of its own to experience. So Anton, your preparation is done. It takes you five or 10 minutes to prepare for it. And then, you know, it will probably take you just about as long as to do the invocation. Uh, And since you have a willing party as your assistant, they're going to have to perform that with you and share in the price the mother will ask for this. Richard, this may seem weird. What what will happen? Um, Not normal. So hopefully you can just just stay with me. Um, It might be the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Um, Lots of people. We, we, we've seen some unusual things on our travels. This may but not travel expands and broadens the mind as good. Yes, as this, good. this may not be the strangest. This medicine is not um, a purely doctor. It is exchange. You, we, we give so that uh, your friend might survive. Right. It will take from us. Okay. Richard's nervous. If you are okay. You have to be. You have to want this. I don't even know you or him, but I'm. I'm good with this because. But I need you to make sure you're good with this. I'm. Too. I'm sure I'll be fine. Yes. Yes. It'll be okay. If you are bad person, after I'll be angry and I will come after you. Yes. Just so we're clear. I. I don't think okay. I'm a bad person. I mean. No. No. It, it's fine. We are all our here, and he mutters again and stand here and I'm going to begin they start the ritual right you start this invocation so you're this low chant Richard begins and it's almost too deep in tone for you to pick up at first it starts in Anton's chest and begins to sort of reverberate out through the kitchen and the, the warmth in this room gets turned up It's almost as if there's an additional fireplace somewhere inside this room. And there's this heavy, heavy, heavy chanting that raises higher and higher. Around you on the walls and on the glass is reflected a 
array of scenes and they're shadow played. So there are images of trees and of beings that run through the forest. Some are completely catalogable. You can see that there are wolves or ravens or bulls, things that animals that you're very familiar with. Maybe it's something he's got near the light somewhere. But it's really when something larger comes into this space, this larger sort of shadow descends over the room and you see one by one these sort of thick vines drop down all over the room and you realize that whatever Anton is bringing to bear for Simon is something beyond this world this isn't some medicine man this isn't some simple strange um, back of farmhouse incantation the floorboards creak with weight from beings that you cannot see and so I'll ask Nate to have Anton make a power roll and Richard you will make a sanity roll mm-hmm. I feel that Richard they, they're joining us the company's as beautiful 14 Ooh, wonderful an excellent excellent power roll A 14 for you, Anton, is an extreme success. You bring everything you possibly can to bear. When you do, the the fire from the nearby cauldron licks its way up the side of this heavy cast iron pot and funnels its way through all of these holes and pulses marks that are covering Simon and his body sort of leaps with this electrifying and damning shaking before slamming back down on the kitchen table with a heavy, heavy thud. And so now I will have Giles make Simon a power roll. I'm scared. You should be. That is a 23 under 65. Very good, sir. Very good. So the spell will heal you six hit points and it will bring you back to consciousness in a way which we will get to momentarily but before we do richard how is your sanity roll how did it go i think it was kind of above his current sanity oh was it hmm wonderful um seeing spell work i'm gonna say yeah i'm gonna take three sanity from you hmm you luck out there because it was a d6 but that's okay. (laughs) This is something that shakes you to your core. You, You watch your friend get electrified through fire from a kitchen cauldron. And the worst part is, is that you helped him do it. Now you're, you're sort of sitting there completely out of breath as Simon lurches in one direction. As his body begins to sort of become mobile. Uh, Simon, when you wake, your leg is in an excruciating amount of pain. Excruciating. And from the other room, I suppose, Maggie, you would have some sort of understanding that something was going on. You would see the shadows move from the living room. But honestly, you're probably too busy sort of enjoying your own self-exploration in a way that uh, (laughs) you don't 
maybe don't pay it as much mind. Yeah, Maggie's a little lost in the sauce with herself here. Absolutely. Okay. And because our previous investigators here uh, did spend their luck, I am going to go ahead and use utilize our method of HP recovery after spending luck. So we'll do we'll do Maggie first because I think that that is always best in this regard. She's uh, way less of a comp- complex case now. Simon's a little bit more complex given some of the um, roles that have been made on his behalf. So I will ask you, Miranda, how many stats uh, Maggie has above the 60 threshold? How many core attributes are above 60? Two, three, four, five. So I will, because you're a pulp character, give you eight additional hit points because of your luck recovery. So you are, in effect, at that now, at that hit point total now because of the death door spend. Simon, on the other hand, is a different story. Uh, he's had a couple of failed first aid rolls, one of which being a failed push roll. And so we'll be having your amount. So how many attributes do you have, core attributes that are above 60? Seven. Okay. So you recover four hit points rather than the 11 that you should have. And what I'm going to do is also impose a permanent negative two hit points on a leg, which will now never fully heal. Uh, It'll also end up dropping your movement rate by one. So you still have the leg. (laughs) You can still move around, but you are now noticeably hobbled. I'll get you for this, Richard. Ah, you're, you're awake. Very good. Very good. Richard, we did it. Very good. Ah, um, you, you mentioned a tombstone. I'm, I'm so glad it didn't come to that. Oh, uh, no, don't, don't disturb. Oh, this, your friend, I'm Anton. Is, please do, just stay, stay resting for a second. I'm Anton, uh, you are. What, where am I? Who are you? You, you? Uh, Richard, uh, comfort, comfort, uh, is this is this still your friend? Uh, yes. Do you recognize yes, him? Yes, yes. Uh, Simon, okay. it's it's okay. fine. We've um he's a doctor, I think, and you're you you were shot several times by a um, a man with a red hat and and we 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 had to get you out of the cave and uh, um something happened and you're you're awake, which is it's good news. I'm hurting. I know. Um you should probably rest a little. Um Ma I'm sorry. Uh, you're... I do not think he sees the mother. I think he hallucinates. Oh, um, right. Uh, just, 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 just. Um, uh, uh, do you have some water? Um, perhaps he needs some water. Yes, I have better. Open up a drawer and pull out a mason jar-looking thing. Open up the, give him sip just, a, just a little bit and help him drink. Right, right. Okay. Just a little. Uh, Simon, drink, drink this. Simon drinks some. Yeah, that's alcohol, which Simon doesn't drink. <laughs> Simon spits it out in Richard's face. You oh, you, oh, you remember oh. way too way too late in the game, Richard. You remember that Simon doesn't drink. Oh, um, I I I, I sorry. I'm sorry. I thought that was water. <laughs> so take it back angrily. Waste waste good medicine here. 
give you sort of a, a murky, cloudy sort of bag full of liquid water. Yeah, in, enjoy water. <laughs> As if it will help. So we'll flash from there to a taxi cab, which has arrived outside the grotto with one James Robert Fraser inside. And um, for your part, Mr. Fraser, the taxi cab driver was a little quizzical taking you up here, knowing that it was likely closed, but he's being paid a fare, and so he does as he's told. Um, so before before the taxi arrives, um, while I'm waiting for it, um, there's a couple of things that uh, I want to do. Uh, the first is to go and knock on Paul's door. Mm-hmm. Let him know that um, I'm heading out uh, the others have been uh, at the grotto and they've been a- away for a little longer than I expected. So I'm just going to head up there just to make sure they're all right. And uh, could he please look after Lady Elizabeth whilst I'm away? Of course. Because I want, A, I want somebody to know where I am. Mm. Um, and, uh, and or B, I want somebody to look after Lady Elizabeth while I'm away. He, uh, he, he adds sort of he closes distance between the door and adds, just so you're aware, I haven't um, continued any medicinal treatments with Lady Elizabeth after our discussion. Oh, um, thank you. I, I, I do appreciate it. Um, I, 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 I'm aware that in under circumstances it can be something of a pick-me-up, but uh, um, I also uh, am aware that uh, uh, overuse of, uh, of that particular substance can uh, have a have a detrimental effect. I just thought you should know. Thank you. I, I do appreciate it. Um, and uh, I shall return uh, as, as soon as I possibly can. Hopefully the others will return before me, in fact. And uh, we can uh, we can have a pleasant evening meal. Um, but, Sounds uh, wonderful. I, I, must, uh, I must away. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, then I'm going to go to my room um, and I'm going to put on a heavy coat because it's going to be cold outside. And uh, a cap as well i'm going to get a shoulder bag into which i am going to put a flashlight because if i'm going down into this grotto after it's closed if, if, they're, if they've got stuck down there i don't know what it's like down there but i'm aware of what these places are like and if they've gone off the beaten track and they might be you know they might be stuck so i'm going to get a flashlight i'm going to pack my revolver just in case and i'm also going to take the pillowcases from the bedroom, stuff them into the bag, um, just in case maybe one of them's had a fall and needs a, a, a you know a cut on the arm or leg or something like that um, bound. Um, and uh, I'd really like to get some rope because if, if, uh, if one of them perhaps is, you know, there's a, like a, a little crevasse or something down the, um, down these caves, then it might, it might be that uh, they're stuck down there and they can't get out. However, I'm not sh- quite sure at this time whether um, that's even going to be possible. So if there's room in my bag, I- I'm just going to um, pull the sheet off the bed and stuff it in because I can possibly tear it up and uh, sort of knot it together and make some something along those lines, which hopefully I won't need. Yeah, the sheet is probably going to be your go-to rope in this sort of short order might be a little difficult to get a hold of. But you get the pillowcase, the sheet, the pistol, some of the necessaries, the heavier coat, which will help with the bore wind. Mm-hmm which has been a little less this evening. Yeah, well, I mean, it's going to be cold underground as well, probably. Yeah. And you get uh, taken up three miles from the center of town to where the grotto is. The driver drops you off. He asks you if you want him to wait 
Is there a taxi here I can uh, get home? Uh, no, sir. Yes, if you could wait, please. Yes, um, uh, here, here's uh, here's something for your time. I, I don't know how long I'm going to be. Ho- hopefully only 10, 10, 15 minutes, but I'm, I'm really not quite sure. You have a, a torch? Uh... Yes, I have. I have. Thank you very much, yes. I do appreciate it. You don't happen to have any rope in the in the back of your taxi, do you? Like a tow rope or something? No, 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 sir. Never mind, never mind. Uh, thank you all the same. I will be as quick as I can, but I do appreciate you waiting. I'll give him something to uh, kind of tide him over to keep him there, hopefully. Okay. And I'll um, make my way towards the uh, towards the grotto. I think that's a wonderful time for us to close down this episode of Horror on the Orient Express. So we... We close with uh, Mr. Fraser beginning his exploration of the grotto and with our compatriots in the house of Anton the farmer, or is it Anton the mystic, or is it Anton at all? So we shall find out more next week.